Hello everyone, this is Grace Asagra from Quantum Nurse, out of the rabbit hole from stress to bliss. This podcast provides holistic methods to help dementia caregivers live a rewarding life. This podcast challenges you to intentionally co-create the successful outcomes of your journeys so together as a community we can experience optimum health, peace, and happiness that manifests love, gratitude, respect, and empowerment in our daily lives. Today's episode, we have a special guest, and his name is Nate Hurst. He was highly recommended to me by a good dear friend, Dr. Kenneth Carter, so I trust that he has something passionate and something important to share to us. And so thank you and welcome to all the listeners and viewers. And Nate, thank you also for being here. I know it's a Sunday, but here we are when we like something, you know, we, we, we make time for it. All right, thank you for having me. And let me say a little bit more about Nate. And if, if Nate has more to say, I'm going to, going to let him say it more, okay? So... Uh, Nate is a person in long-term recovery, Nate Hurst. She has, he has an MA in, and his recovery date is October 8, 1986. He has several master's degrees. He has a master's degree in social work from Springfield College. He has a master's degree in business administration from Augsburg College, which is located here in Minneapolis. He's also a licensed independent clinical social worker. He's a licensed alcohol and drug counselor in the state of Minnesota and Connecticut. Currently, he's the vice president of National Acupuncture Detox Association, also known as NADA. And he is the vice president of another medication, Minnesota certification board. He has over 30 years working in the mental health and substance abuse disorder. So today's topic is entitled How NADA, National Acupuncture Detoxification Association Protocol, can help with self-care, relieving stress. Is that the right time? That's the right topic. I would, right? I would say, yes, that's the right topic. So, yes. Um, and just to reiterate again, we welcome the listeners that we created this podcast for 50 to 55 years old, working men and women who are stressed out also in taking care of their loved ones suffering from dementia. So this topic is just perfect. Welcome, Nate. Welcome, listeners. So take it away. All right, thank you a lot, Grace, for allowing me to speak. Um, one of the things I wanted to start out with is um, not a National Acupuncture Detox Association. It's been around about 40 years. Our primary mission is to train and to provide uh, individuals and communities with a natural way of dealing with stress and uh, other issues that may came up, come about. We have what they call a five-point protocol, which was basically created by uh, Dr. Michael Smith, 
or he accessed the protocol and made it more popular throughout America as well as internationally. So when we talk about stress, uh, the five points are the Shinmen, which is for calming, sympathetic, which is for also helps calm the kidney and liver and the upper lung. And the primary one I would like to talk about tonight is the simp is the Shinmen, which is used for calming and dealing with stress, calming the mind. Um, which is, and unfortunately I did not, as you mentioned to me, I did not bring any illustrations, but which is in the upper ear along what we would call the faucet of the ear. And we've used both needles as well as beads and seeds to work with uh, the protocol, especially in this area. So when we talk about calming, a lot of people are under stress and we're under more stress basically in America right now and across the, uh, internationally, but basically in America because of COVID, uh, the situation with George Floyd. And NADA wanted to start to reach out more to the communities and people who are under stress. So that's my primary focus tonight. Um, I don't know, I used to, let me talk a little bit more about myself. As, it, as Grace has said, I am, um, I've been in the business over 30 years, I'm a, a long-term recovery, 34 years in October, um, which for people don't understand, uh, usually it's alcohol and drugs. But what has happened to me over the years, I realized that my recovery really wasn't about my substance use disorder or abuse. It was more about me learning to deal with stress and anxiety in our society. And um, so I focus on that working with different groups. Uh, I use the protocol and specifically the Shinmen point working with clients who are in recovery or dealing with some type of mental health issue or and under stress. And um, I have a lot of letters behind my name so I can get employed. <laughs> That's, uh, I'm not only a, a licensed alcohol drug counselor, I'm what they call a substance abuse professional, uh, which is something connected to the DOT, work with people who drive boats, planes, cars, trucks, anything that come under the Department of Transportation. Um, I also am a trainer, a registered trainer with NADA. So I have trained people in using this protocol um, across the country and even here in Minnesota. We have 25 states which have what we call an ADS law, acupuncture detox specialist. And those laws vary from state to state, but it, the core of the law is about being able to train and teach people how to heal and become more distressed or let reduce the stress in their lives and also reduce the use of alcohol and drugs as well as some medications that they may be addicted to. Um, the other five, other three points, specifically the kidney, are really related to those organs, the lung, um, those related to those organs and helping heal those organs from the inside. Uh, Dr. Smith would say that 
most people believe that when you put a needle in them, it has something in it. But this just helps you trigger the natural healing process in your life, in your body, without any medications. Uh, right now in Minnesota, we are connecting with uh, Black Lives Matter and other health professionals. I have trained nurses uh, here in Minnesota and other substance abuse professionals to use the protocol. We have people, uh, some of our trainers in New Haven, Connecticut, which I'm originally from, and they are training the doctors and nurses at Yale. And so we work with that as well. And that is also training them about some of the other um, possibilities with Eastern medicine, Chinese medicine. Um, not, I am not that trained, well-trained in those, but we op that opens the door for them to learn more about it. We are working on also being together with the Western and the Eastern medicine working together to help people become more healthier. Uh, any questions, any thoughts? Is, is that um, the medical association in your state, are they uh, accepting about it or are they resistant? Well, I, it's, it's a little bit of both. Um, years ago, uh, Dr. Michael Smith, uh, who's passed on, came here. And one of the things that we had issues with, it was here but they were only letting uh, acupuncturists perform the protocol. Um, and our goal is to be able to teach anyone to, to perform, perform the protocol and to work with people, anybody. So right now I'm in the process of talking. We always have policy. We all start to talk to the governing people. So I'm in the process of talking to them. I do know a few state senators personally, and we're working on what we did in Connecticut years ago was get a waiver to allow us to teach, apply the protocol and train people to do this also as a pilot project to take down the data. So they're partly resistant. Uh, there are those individuals who feel that maybe we are stepping on their toes, definitely financially. And, pro and, and NADA is not about finances per se. The spirit of NADA is about being able to perform this protocol and help people help themselves and in healing and, and dealing with stress and trauma. It originally, like I said, it originally started in the South Bronx Lincoln Hospital, and it was focused on people who use uh, methadone and heroin. But over the last 35 to 40 years, it has spread to work with PTSD um, and other mental health issues, depression. Uh, on our international level, we're talking about Denmark, England, and other countries. Um, where there's been disasters. Uh, a lot of the people that have been trained, they were at Katrina providing the protocol, which were, and we do train acupuncturists who don't really get this protocol in acupuncture school. Um, there are some variations of it. 
like battle, a battlefield air acupuncture. It's a little bit different than what we do, but it has been pr promoted. Uh, I want to say one of the doctors that have their shows on TV, healthy, uh, uh, more natural healing. Uh, there was a doctor doing the protocol with a woman and she, she talked about not a, another doctor. So we, we struggle with the politics here in Minnesota. I don't get to use this train as much as I would like to. Is that, that. Pro, is that program still going on in the South Bronx? Lincoln Hospital uh -huh. program has closed up. But the practice of the protocol is throughout the city and the state. Um, yeah, Lincoln's Treatment Center has closed up, uh, I want to say, in the last more than 10 years now. Okay. All right. How about, is that, how about New Jersey? Is there anything happening in New Jersey or Pennsylvania? Uh, nothing in Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, there is something in Delaware, okay. Connecticut. New Hampshire, uh, Vermont is in, I just spoke with somebody in Vermont. The law has just been written up. It's been passed and they're just having some literature or some legal issues around the writing, how it should look, but it's been passed. We have it in South Carolina, um, Arizona, New Mexico, uh, not in California. Um, what happens in a lot of states is the struggle between the acupuncturists who we had a meeting recently and we talked about that um, using the word acupuncture. And a lot of people, even when I do provide the service or train people, I have to be very clear. I am not an acupuncturist. The protocol is the only thing that I do with needles and beads. So uh, there are those people who, because the actual word acupuncture, feel that it is treading on their space. So what I, I'm hearing from you is that there's uh, resistance from the Western practitioners, I mean, when I say Western medicine practitioners, as well as also even the regular acupuncturist. To some extent, yes, definitely. That has been the struggle in some, mainly a lot of states, is both of those. But the acupuncturists, and I have spoken with acupuncturists here, and as most, and as, and as you was working in a business as a nurse, as a healer, we have those differences of how we think something should be done or how it should function. And I have dealt with the, the community acupuncturists here in Minnesota, uh, Minneapolis specifically, and they're very open to it. And a lot of them are very familiar with the protocol and some have been trained. So, but there are other groups who have issues around it. So we do, which is unfortunate because when we work with healing, wanting to help people heal, I don't really think about politics. I think more about the people that we want to work with. Um, I'm very clear with that. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, passionate. Um, I have I have tried other things in life, but I always come back to working with people. And it's where I get my most reward. Um, I feel that my education is both is definitely served in helping people learn 
to change and how to become more comfortable with themselves and learn how to reduce the stress in their lives uh, and deal with trauma. Um, when you talk about dementia, I mean, caregivers are, are definitely traumatized, especially if, the, if they're giving care to a family member. That has to be very difficult for them. And what do they do for themselves to, as far as self-care is concerned? which is important as a person, you know, uh, as a therapist, people, I have had people say, well, all you do is talk to people. And I go, yes, that's what it sounds like. But when you hear other people's stories, you, you're taking that in and how does it impact when you're taking, helping other people empower other people to take care of themselves or providing that type of support. It can be very strenuous and strenuous very strenuous and stressful on one. So if, if in your state or other states, this thing is ongoing, um, does, is it covered by insurance company or is it referred by doctors? Now, no, it's not covered by, not the specifically the ear acupuncture, the auricular acupuncture as it's called, is not covered by um, any insurance companies at all um uh several years ago ken and i did a presentation at uh, the national behavioral health conference and that question is a couple of questions always come up uh providers is how we get paid if we do it what what does it cost and the bottom line is for us it's not about that it's it's about providing a service to people to help them heal which is even with people who work with people have a hard concept of accepting that concept. You don't want any money. If you want to donate, yes. But we have never, um, I was at a training in Laramie, Wyoming, where our office, our main office is in a few years ago. And, uh, and I explained to the trainees, there wasn't a business model set up around this. This was done to provide service to people in our efforts to help them heal and improve their lives, bottom line. I asked that question also because I know that um, at least now acupuncture is kind of part of the mainstream because, you know, people are trusting it. They, they will go to that if they think they have a, something chronic. And sometimes I, I know that some regular physicians recommend it so and it's yeah. just interesting that here it is it's it's another it's just kind of like a specialty combination of points and yet they seem to have a difficulty in weaving or just being in the mainstream how right it does but that's because of the political issues and people feeling that uh, there's some uh compensation that might be affected by that. Uh, clearly, one of the biggest issues have been, or at least what they ver people have verbalized, especially some acupuncturists, is that, well, I say that I'm an acupuncturist, and which would be, you know, wouldn't be the truth because I'm not. And, but we, we've never been sued. Not one trainer, not one uh, ADS has ever been sued for performing something they shouldn't be or harming anybody, never. Uh, 
So, and, and when that comes up, we definitely are very staunch in saying we have no history of being sued or uh, saying that we cannot do it because we misrepresented ourselves or anyone that belongs to NADA and been trained has ever misrepresented themselves. Um, I think that we are at a time now um, that these healing, more natural healing and helping people to learn to help themselves is going to be very important, especially when we're talking about online trainings. Um, teaching one about is we have a didactic piece, but we also have that on hands piece. Right now we can see teaching you or anyone else about the, the beads, season beads and where they go in your ears um, and where to be placed. Cause that's probably one of the simplest ways to start to help people help themselves. Um, do you have to operate that or do you have to practice that with the supervision of an acupuncturist, you know? Well, in most states where our law has been passed, no. Uh, actually, in South Carolina, they just changed the law. They had where they allowed practitioners of the protocol to do it, but they needed to have a active, licensed acupuncture on site. Just recently, they changed that law to where they didn't need to be on site. They might need to be a supervisor, but they didn't need to be there for the person to perform the, the auricular acupuncture, the protocol. So which open the door for people to be more accessible uh, to, to help the community. I think it's very exciting because I know that, you know, originally even, you know, from the East, from, from uh, China and other countries practicing, it's commonly practiced by local people. And I still remember in the Philippines when during um, in, in situations where um, there, when I was growing up, I still remember that there was a group of Filipinos who were being taught to do some acupuncture points for like the stomach pain, yes, ordinary ailments. And um, there, there, yes, it was an acupuncturist training them, but it was, during that time um, in the countryside, it was allowed, okay, to, to have that. And not too long ago also, I believe some, uh, a group from Korea went to the Philippines and through like the uh, program of YMCA or something, I don't know the details, but they came also to offer free services and I think to um, encourage people to to know how to do some acupuncture points. Yeah. Well, I will say in the Philippines, like I said, we are, NADA is international. And um, the Philippines has a very large contingency of people who are trained in the NADA protocol. And what they have been working with um, is the people, you know, the substance abuse issue, the opiate issue. Actually, um, and I don't, I can't remember the woman's name at this time, but one of the leaders that was head of NADA Philippines just passed away uh, last week, I think, about two weeks ago. So, like I said, we are in various countries, India. This, this protocol has been used throughout the world, uh, along with other healing 
uh, arts uh, and with full body acupuncture as well. So we want to get back since Nada rose out of the ashes of a community needing help. We are very uh, adamant about getting back to those communities, uh, urban, inner city, rural people who do not have access and, and connecting with um, things that will help them support their healing and feeling better. So our grassroots uh, committees working diligently to set up protocol, um, even in with COVID, uh, we someone just wrote a protocol around uh, what it is to do not a hands-on now. Um, so we have to get out because it is hands-on, you know, uh, definitely with the needles. Um, but it's also a, it creates a relationship when we are providing the service and it's nonverbal. Once we provide those points, there's no conversation. We don't have to talk about how do you feel, what's going on. We allow the effect of the needles that trigger the natural body healing to occur. And it creates a very strong and powerful energy in, uh, when it happens. Uh, I remember going to Lincoln Hospital when I was trained in the early 90s, and it was just amazing. Uh, it is, as far as working with people with mental health uh, and substance use, it is an adjunct to helping them. You know, they provided counseling later, but before they would go into counseling, they would have the protocol done 30, 40 minutes, calming their minds, their spirits, and they were more open to working with a therapist and changing their lives and looking at how it's been for them in their drug use, et cetera. So that's where we would like, we want to go and we are going to go. Uh, so since this is like a detox technique, and I know we mentioned about the um, drug abuse or whatever substance abuse, does, don't, do, can it also be applied to any kind of, let's say, over-prescription drug abuse? It has helped reduce that. It helps also help reduce smoking. Okay. People have stopped, have stopped smoking with this. And it clearly, because it, one of the things we do, or the protocol is capable of assisting with, is lowering when people are on psychotropic medications, how much they use. This has happened. This has clearly been, it's all, we have written about it. We have articles on our website, which is acudetox.com. And it, we have materials uh, that people can access both free and for cost um, around working with mental health uh, medications. Uh, a lot of people have used this to lower their use of psychotropics. So if one is interested to, to start something like that in the states where there's none, what's the best way to start? I, back to, I would go and uh, contact our website, our main office in, um, in Laramie, but we could 
I'll make sure I'll post that in the on, on the web, um, you know, at the end of the episode. As I said, AccuDetox. Yes, I said AccuDetox. Mm. Okay. And um, I want to think that we, do, we don't have a 1-800 number. Uh, um, but we do have a number. Let me see. Oh, we do. one eight 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 seven six five six two three two eight 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 seven six five six two three two is not a number. And uh, we do have people on at that Pacific time mm-hmm. or Mountain time. It's in it's in Laramie, so it might be Mountain time. They're hour behind me, so we are at it's about five thirty p.m. there or something to that effect. We have people in the office that can give them information around um, training. Uh, how can they join NADA? Those type of things, materials they can read about, etc. You know? Where do where? Where do you usually get the most funding for the organization? Because <laughs> you need you need some finances to keep the organization going. What has happened historically? We usually had a conference, a yearly conference, um, and membership. Those are the two ways that we basically did funding. Our membership fees as well as training uh, costs. Like if, we, if each trainer did a training, X amount of dollars was paid to NADA for um, new membership, et cetera. And um, we have not really historically did a lot of fundraising via grants. Um, we are looking at that now to do that, but it's always been the conference and the membership fees that have supported NADA over the years. Um, clearly, Dr. Smith did a lot of support himself, um, but our primary supports were our uh, conferences that were every year and the fees. And we stopped doing the conferences every year. We do them every two years. And now we now have conferences at all because of COVID. We were having one hopefully next year, which will be in Maryland at Bowie University. It's a historically black college and university. Um, Bowie University is actually setting up a training program for their students and substance abuse around the NADA protocol, teaching them that, uh, providing that's what they're looking to do. So we do take donations. Um, and that's the only other way that we historically we've been supporting NADA, through donations, membership, and trainings. In your practice, Nate, what's the worst thing that you've seen? <laughs> And a follow-up question of that is what's the most successful outcome have you seen? In my practice, um, well, I guess the worst thing is that you see people die, especially around not being able to 
change how they think. And I say that change how they're thinking because when I talk about substance use disorder, it is not the problem. It is the way people deal with problems. So when they don't learn to deal with their trauma and, and their depression is part of that, uh, they continue to use. The most successful thing I would say is walking down the street and having a client scream out of a car and say, I, I, what you said to me, I, I heard it. And I'd be like, when did I say it to you? <laughs> but it's good, you know, it, it's good to know that I can pass some type of information on it. Five or six years later, somebody will say, you helped me out. I learned something from you. Um, because of what I do, you not necessarily see any real change during treatment. Sometime you do, but it's sometime afterwards you see people, you know, you see them out with their family, those types of things. So that's, that's probably the best thing to know that, oh, um, I'm glad they got something from me. I can be able to do something for them to help. Is that what? Is that what keeps you going and what really inspires you? Because you've been doing this for a long time. You mentioned that in the 1990s that you were going to Lincoln Hospital. Yeah. Well, like I said, I like working with people. Um, I mean, I've been blessed. Uh, I've had, uh, I've literally been dead and brought back. Literally. And um, my mother once told me I was here for a purpose. So I continue to work with people. Uh, I tell people I would counsel for free, but I got to pay my bills. <laughs> Somebody, you know what? I like doing it. I like working with people. Always have, you know. I've, I've done things like have AAU teams. I mean, working with people and offering opportunity for people to change and be supported and be empowered is is a good thing. That's why I'm a social worker. And before you experience all these uh, successes, have you, have you ever had that experience when it was just, you feel like you're in a rut or that you can't get out or if it you well, I, well, as I said, I'm in recovery and um, I mean, my history is starts at age 15. I started using heroin in the sixties. Um, then fell in love with using cocaine, which lasted up to the eighties. I, um, as a black man in America, um, one of my, I, for my father passed away in 99, we were talking and I told him, I remember us going to the back door of a restaurant in July of 1955. I wasn't even five years old yet. And he looked at me and said, you remember? I said, I remember like it happened yesterday. I, I, I've dealt with the trauma of growing up here. And, and I, I can't tell people I wasn't on welfare. My parents were deacons, deaconess, we owned property, but I also never felt comfortable. And um, I looked to escape uh, through drugs, uh, through, I guess, my behavior. Uh, I spent quite a long time in and out of institutions, psych wards, penitentiaries, and um, I've been homeless. And the last time I was homeless, 
And uh, it just came to me that it was time for me to change. And um, at that time, which was October 8th, 1986, I went back to treatment. I went back to treatment, not to get treatment for my addiction, but to sit down and think about what I needed to start doing to change my life. Since you emphasize that it's really the um, treatment for um, handling stress, in, in this protocol, do you, um, does your organization work with another organization or, or, we, or is there any type of service like that for like the mindset or whatever you call it within the organization? Well, I think that we, it has been in the past and we want to bring that back. We'll work with anybody because it's about healing and helping one to heal. So connecting to people who are under stress, dealing with trauma is our main focus. And substance use, it's all together uh, to begin to help people live a better and more successful life. Um, so we are open to working with other organizations all the time. and. We, and like I said, we do work with some acupuncture organizations. In other words, we do trainings, we sit down and have meetings because it's not, for us, it's not territorial. How do you go? Yeah, sorry. How do you go Go about, um, how do you go about, um, uh, let's see, I lost my train of thought. Something about that, that, oh. How do you go about when they're still in some type of method medications, like quote unquote, like um, the, uh, like detox meds or lowering down like the methadone? Um, what do you mean do? Well, so, so I mean, well, we, we, before uh, what in 1990s, from at what I remember is they were combining it that, you know, at, I've been, I visited, that's Lincoln Hospital during that time. I was already in United States in 1985. And what's his name now, the one who, the, the brother who started it? Uh, Michael Smith was there, uh, Carlos Alvarez, uh, Jesse. Uh, there was a lot, there were some yeah, people there. there. Yeah, he, he was, in fact, he, he used to be part of the acupuncture board and he used to write the exams. I can't remember his names. Yeah. And so it, I see that, I think the sec, two times I went there to visit and I was learning to do the auricular acupunctures points. I see that they were still combining it with methadone dose. I think it was attached to the program. So I was wondering it, if it's the same program. It, it can be uh, one of the, groups I train here have a treatment program and they do um, they do they, they were providing the auricular acupuncture and they also had suboxone which is a medicated assisted therapy and the idea is to low, lower help the acupuncture will help lower the dosage in other words people won't feel they need as much as they have done um, I I am open to all paths of healing. 
And I think people have to, their journey is their journey. Um, as far as methadone, otherwise I'm saying, I'm not going to talk against it, but I don't, you know, people can be on like 180 milligrams of methadone. And I'm going like, why? <laughs> why do you need that much in your body? So we want to help people reduce high dosages. And I mean, clearly it would be great if they didn't use it at all. If, I mean, because there's some long-term effects when you use something like methadone. Uh, I go, like I said, I go back to the 60s when they first started administering methadone. You had to be at least 21 because of the long-term damage it did to one's bones. But, you know, we want to help lower that dosage. We want to help people not be that dependent on pharmaceuticals as much. And, and, and as when we talk about mental health, we're not saying people acupuncture, this auricular acupuncture will re remove, make it so they don't have to use it, but maybe they don't have to use as much because their body will come into balance. Their mind will be coming into balance with the help of the auricular acupuncture, uh, the five points. And we've seen that clearly. Yes, just like any other alternative therapy or interventions, um, and which I am passionate about also, it, it, it's just that we really have to let the people know that it's available. And it's not, you know, just as my declaimer will state at the end of this uh, episode, that this is not in any way a substitute for any medical consultation or treatment but it would be good to consider and, you know, just, just try it and check it out. Yeah. And one of our disclaimers, as you call it, is that we let people know auricular acupuncture is not a standalone treatment. It needs to be combined with counseling, therapy, and maybe necessarily some type of medications or can be, but definitely it's not a standalone. Um, we want people just to be healthier and, and be able to understand that, you know, there's no one quote cure. There might be a multifaceted approach to becoming more healthier. Is there, is there any contraindications or precautions for anyone to, you know, take advantage of this treatment if it's, if it's available? Well, you know, we do have what they call needle shock has been a thing where it happens. And, and, and even within the context of providing the protocol, if we have someone who happens to suffer needle shock, we'll remove the needles. Uh, there was some point at some point we were looking at, uh, we did have a protocol around pregnant women, what points they can use. But that has, as most things have modified over the years, and they can do all five, we can do that. Overall, there hasn't been that many contraindications. No. no. Thank you so much. Um, a lot of good things, um, back to the coverage of an insurance, a lot of alternative treatment that are really very helpful are the ones that are not covered. So you know, and if people understand that, that you really have to, you know, um, put your extra time, effort, donate, or 
just do something outside the mainstream and just experience it and see where it leads you. And then so one could experience something totally different. Yeah. So very humbling service and calling. So with, with this calling, what do you think you'll be doing in the next five years? <laughs> well, I'm supposed to be what they call people. They ask me, am I going to retire? I, I do private practice. Um, my um, company or my business is called Sankofa Group, the Mind Spa Recovery. So I'll probably be doing that over the next five years. I will continue to raise my grandson. Um, I will be involved in helping other people. Uh, I do teach at some schools adjunct at some local colleges at times. So um, the, the, uh, I should say adage, recovery is a lifestyle. So what I do is a lifestyle. Working with people is a lifestyle. It's not a job. It's a thing I like to do. I, um, when I look back as a child, I always was watching and listening and thinking about what other people are doing and saying and how they feel. And uh, so what I do is what I do. And uh, overall, I enjoy it. Uh, I find it rewarding. And that is that, what keep what what makes you wake up early in the morning, energetic to, to begin your day? Yeah, uh, yeah. Besides my grandson, but uh, <laughs> how old is your grandson? He, he's two and a half. Two and a half. Yeah. Two and a half. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm always thinking about what to do. I mean, this opera when uh, Dr. Carter mentioned you, and I saw it, and I'm like, okay, I have been thinking about. W- what do I need to do to put some kind of message out there and what I believe in? And this is an opportunity. You know, I can be very, uh, I would say, judgmental of myself. And I'm a perfectionist somewhere deep inside. And I'm like, if it doesn't work, what's going to happen? But then again, I've also learned and realized if I don't step forward, and uh, as some people uh, move in faith, I won't know. I don't nothing will happen at all. And I've learned that over the years to be able to get up and say, okay, um, you have an opportunity to take it and everything's a learning experience. It's not a failure. It's, you learn from what happens and what you do in life. And what you learn, you improve along the way. Well, I'm glad you thought of that because um, they, this podcast is in no way perfect, maybe for a perfectionist, but it's still perfect. It's still perfect because it allows us the opportunity to be able to have a safe and sacred place for anyone like you to share. And then anyone who wants to listen to something different, then here it is. Good. I'm glad that, and I'm really happy to, to have the opportunity. And so hopefully in the future we can can collaborate again. And um, uh, one of the things that I would like to learn about and do is the the natural healing herbs and various things. I was going to take a class uh, this year Um, because I, I, like I said, I, I grew up feeling the need to, 
I don't, I, I won't say, it, it's something I've felt people, how do I embrace them and how do I move with them and help them move forward? It's, it's always been there, so. I have a number of episodes and uh, I haven't published some of them yet, but my the speakers talk about herbs and plants and food. So you may want to listen to it when it's out there, okay? Just be okay. part of the quantum nurse. I will consider you as part of the community. And then so Thank we you. continue. I, I don't see this as the, the end of any collaboration. And that's why it's a collaborative effort between among, among um, guests as well as listeners and viewers because we're in it together. And they said there's more power when we're together. Right? Yes. Yes, so what there is. What's your superpower? Um, I keep coming back. I keep wanting to improve um, my life and help other people improve. I, I just keep getting up. And um, my children, oh, I have a couple of my children say to me, that uh, you ever get tired? I said, I'm tired, but I don't lay down. I can't give up. I keep doing. I says, when time for me to actually lay down or times when my time comes, I'll know it and I'm all, I'll be all right with it. Um, but at this point, I keep moving forward and learning to embrace what is happening. Is there anything that keeps you up at night? <laughs> well, um, I worry about my own children. Uh, I think about uh, my grandchildren and I think about as a people, where are we headed to? And are we looking at where we might be headed to? Um, not to be too political, I think we're just in a situation where we're not sure what's gonna happen next. And that's something to think about. I mean, today you're in New Jersey. Will you be there next year? Could we be someplace else? Because we have to move. The world's changing. Um, and like I said, uh, my best thing is to say that when, when I learned, one of the things I definitely learned being a Boy Scout for a short while was be prepared. And I say that to people and they say, be prepared for what? Be prepared to be prepared. You know, and that's what I do. Um, Tell me again, one, what, what is, sorry to, okay, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No. I'm listening. Tell, tell me again, what age was it when you really started to be in this path? I mean, when you were using substance abuse? Well, um, I, I started using, well, I, I, you know, I think all kids, I'll say this, drink or smoke a little marijuana, but it was the 60s. But my first use of heroin was 1965. I asked the question because if there is anyone at that age right now listening to us, listening to you, what would you tell that person? Believe in yourself. Don't think that it's, the grass is greener in somebody else's life. Um, believe in yourself. Believe in what you want to do. I, I didn't do a lot of things I wanted to do. I believe that the other people 
they had more fun than me. They had a better life than me. I had dreams as a kid. And I, I, I was, I allowed myself to become disappointed and, and decided that the only way I could survive or only way to live was to live that type of lifestyle. But believe in yourself, trust yourself. And I'm from the Philippines and, and you are from here, but of course we all have our own ethnic, or if we have to say it as a racial background, how, what do you say to young people right now? They are in a powerful position to change the world. And I think if you want to call me an elder, the elders need to support them and embrace them because they are in a place to change how we, the world functions. Um, when we talk about race, if we're talking about that, there's always has been historic racial divides. And it is, as they say, race, racism is a construct. It serves some other people, whoever they may be. But it's time for it to end because we are all human beings. And they're in a powerful position and they should embrace that position. And we should support them in embracing what's happening and how they're moving. That's what I would say. Thank you so much. Mm. So anyway, it's, it's been wonderful and it's, it's, it, I'm glad to hear more about you and your program and to share the space with you. And I appreciate our listeners and viewers so tell them again, once again, where can they reach you? Okay. They can reach me. I, my business number is 612-387-3371. Um, my email, my website is Sankofa, S-A-N-K-O-F-A, group, G-R-O-U-P-L-L, c.com my email my business is in hearse h-u-r-s-e at sankofa group llc.com um i did give the number uh, you can also contact at nada at 1-888-765-6232 uh, I'll make sure we're low, our main office. Go ahead. No, our main office is in Laramie, Wyoming. That's all. Yeah. I'm going to make sure that um, I'll ask for that again, information from you, text me, and I'll put it at the end of the, or the description of the episode. Okay. So then. Okay, good. Then they could I'll do that. And do that. It's, and uh, mm, I appreciate everything that, you know, we had to do today, Did you know, to the Lord be the, that power. And we, we, we are grateful that we're given this time together. And um, I usually encourage the listeners to do an affirmation. And what I do is that I have some quantum cards in the morning and I shuffle it. And then I get one quantum card. And then that's an affirmation that, 
But before I pick that up, I put my intention that it will be an affirmation that I have to focus for that day. So this, I'm going to read it three times because I encourage people to have such practice. It's kind of like my own prayer other than my other formal prayer. So, and I do it three times in the morning, in the e at noon time and in the evening. So I want to share this with our listeners and with you, Nate. So, and this, Thank you. It's, I think it's perfect too. And because what I, you said, you said to your one advice to any a young person who may be in the position where you had before is to believe in themselves, right? So the quantum card that I get today says, do everything with love. That learning how to love fully and deeply is the reason I am here on earth. I let my every thought and action be anchored in love. I have unlimited depths of love to give to those around me. Learning how to love fully and deeply is the reason I am here on earth. I let my every thought and action be anchored in love. I have unlimited depths of love to give to those around me. Learning how to love fully and deeply is the reason why I am here on earth. I let my every thought and action be anchored in love. I have unlimited depths of love to give to those around me. So in my language, I say mabalos or thank you. Any more last words for uh, the caregivers, Nate? If you want to say anything more, feel free before we sign off. Well, just to make sure they do self-care. Remember to take care of themselves. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Mabalos, salamat, and I'll make sure, again, all the information will be, and we'll connect. This is just the beginning, okay? Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Peace. Peace. Bye.